Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by Blade Podcast Network and sponsored by betonline.ag, the best sports betting website around. That's betonline.ag with promo code Believe B L E A V to match up your initial deposit up to fifty percent. Join Ed Crash, my co-host, and myself as we take on the rest of this NFL season and try to win some money. We're we're rolling in the dough like the Eagles are right now with their record of being nine and one. So join us by going to BetOnline.ag and use promo code Believe B L E A V to get your initial deposit matched up to fifty percent. Again, as I said, co-host Connor Mollis here, my co-host Ed Crass. Ed. Hey, Connor. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy, Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Oh, and everybody else listens to, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, and enjoy the time with your families. You know, for a person that I know Ed has experienced loss in his life. I'm sure everybody has. You know, loss yeah. is a typical thing in life we all have to go through. Uh, these are the moments you really want to cherish because I know I have regrets. I know Ed probably has regrets. I know anybody who's listening has probably have regrets, but... Take the time to really spend it with your family because once they're gone forever, it's the worst because you'd never get it back. You have not, you live with those regrets. And I wish personally myself, I would experience more Thanksgiving. I would have soaked in more Thanksgivings with my dad, I should say. And I know Ed probably feels the same way about family members in his past too, especially his father as well. So um, soak in this family time this Thanksgiving because there's some people out there that aren't going to be able to. And uh, my prayers and thoughts are with them as well. And I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving as well. So let's get into Thanksgiving. I think, you know, you and I, when we talked about this game, we kind of, you know, like against the Colts, you know, we would no, we didn't take it that seriously. It took them lightly. We took them lightly. I think you and I did. Mm-hmm. I think many people did. I thought the Eagles thought that many people thought the Eagles beat the brakes off them. You know what's one thing that we always forget and we always get reminded afterwards when a team fires that head, their head coach and they bring in a guy that. I know we all mocked it and everything, and you and I laughed about it the whole entire pod last week. And I, I really was talking the most about it. I, I thought Jim Mercer was a joke. I still do for it. But what I did not expect, and you know what I have to give the Colts credit for, is they really like Jeff Saturday. You know, Jeff Saturday's reminding me like when Tan, Dan Campbell first started. You know, he didn't start with the Lions. He first started with the Dolphins, and he was a former tight end in the NFL. He didn't really have much coaching experience, and Jeff Saturday doesn't either. But that intensity that fire that leadership that man i want to run through a wall and play for that guy the colts are all in on jeff saturday i i could tell you know that team wanted to win for that guy uh they want to prove the trend wrong they want to you know they hear all the noise the outside chatter and i gotta tip my hat to the colts they played one hell of a game uh they have the quarterback in there in place that gives them the best opportunity to win which they did in the last previous couple weeks so i did take them lightly I think the Eagles did too, to be honest with you. And I think when a team is desperate and they want to win for a guy that they clearly like, they'll play hard football. That's what they gave. They gave the Eagles a huge challenge. And I, I, I think I should have just respected the opponent more. I think, a yeah, lot I think of- you always, yeah, you always get a little bump when you hire a new coach or bring in a new coach. There's always that little bump in intensity. Now we'll see how long that lasts. I mean, they're four, six and one now. 
Yeah, I don't I think, think it'll last long, but I think that's yeah. what they, I just think that's what the Eagles ran into. I'm yeah. not panicking about this game. Yeah, I, there's some concerns with it. I mean, this was their first game without Dallas Goddard, and it showed. I mean, that yeah. you know, the Colts were able to play the Eagles differently. They didn't have that threat over the middle of the field. They didn't take Jack Stoll or Grant Calcaterra seriously in the passing game. They barely covered them. They only had one guy covering them. That, you know, so you know that they got to figure out a better way to play without Dallas Goddard. And I wrote about that. And how can you do that? Well, maybe you get stole a little more, tar- a few more targets just to say, yeah, we're, we're going to throw the ball to him. They only threw it to him once. They didn't throw it to Calcaterra at all. Uh, you know, Brown and Smith had, you know, they had some decent numbers, but they were pretty quiet numbers. Let's face it. They weren't, you know, yeah. screaming out at you. Great game. So, you know, the Eagles are going to have to find a better way to do things without Dallas Goddard. This offense could struggle until Goddard returns. Uh, maybe you throw to the backs more. You know, maybe you try to get Sanders and Gainwell and Scott a little bit more involved in the passing game too. Maybe, uh, you know, swing swing them out of the backfield a little bit. Uh, but whatever they did on Sunday wasn't the right thing. Uh, this offense really struggled. And, you know, I don't know if it was taking them lightly or just the Dallas-Goddard effect and the way the Colts played. I mean, they played them differently because Goddard wasn't on the field. So, uh, you know, that, that's a bit of a concern, but Hey, they're nine and one. They found it was a great win. In my opinion. I mean, I thought that game was lost from the that jump too. Yeah. I mean, that was their first comeback from a double digit deficit in the fourth quarter in 12 years, 2010, when Deshaun Jackson had to walk off punt return against the giants. So, you know, those kinds of wins know. don't come along often, obviously. Uh, I think they had lost 43 straight games in a row where they trailed by double digits going into the fourth quarter. So to me, that's huge. You know, that's something they can really build on and ride that momentum into the Packers game on Sunday night. And I thought Jalen Hurts was just tremendous. You know, you put oh. the defense ahead of him, but then Jalen Hurts, I thought, was fantastic. Another week where I'm just saying to myself, wow, they have the quarterback, finally. You know, they yeah. don't have to worry about what they're going to do next year or if they're on thin ice with Jalen Hurts and his development. And he's it. He's the quarterback. He's Here's my problem with what they did with Jalen Hurts until the fourth quarter. Until literally the last two drives of the fourth quarter, they said, "Jalen, all right, you know we're calling a bad game. Just go do you." They <laughs> they put the trust into him and do him and get look what happened. Yeah, put the game in his hand and he did everything he could to possibly put well done a victory and he won. But yeah. what I thought about that game to me was, wow, this is the two and five Eagles all over again. They want to make this guy a pass happy quarterback so badly. They are trying to make this happen so badly. Mm-hmm. And then the final two drives of the fourth quarter, they're like, you know what, Jalen, we're gonna we're gonna stop now. To me, that's being misconstrued along the media. I don't know if you noticed this. It seems some of our colleagues seem to think otherwise of Hurts. They're thinking, wow, that shows the Eagles don't trust Hurts by asking him to run the end of the game. I, I don't know where the, the – I don't quite understand these takes, to be honest with you. I don't know if you've been seeing them yourself. I, I haven't. I haven't seen any, you know, I've seen fans say, you know, oh, well, and that, that to me is the Hurts haters. You know, they're never going to be all in on Jalen Hurts. It's There's funny because I haven't heard from any of them this year. And now they're saying, well, they didn't trust Hurts. I mean, you know, I laugh at that. Um, you know, and Nick Sirianni, I asked Nick Sirianni that on Monday. I mean, Hurts had 16 rushes. That was the most rushes he had in the game since week four. Okay, he had 15 against Arizona the week after that, but then he hasn't even come close to double figures since then. So he's beating teams with his arm. Okay, in those games, you know, he's transitioned from that running quarterback into more of a a passing threat. He's a dual. He's a consummate dual threat now. 
Um, and and Sirianni said, listen, because I thought that they called more designed runs for Hertz, and and they did. I mean, it wasn't all off scripted, willy nilly, get out of the pocket and run up the field. They ran a lot of RPOs where Hertz kept the ball. A lot of quarterback draw plays where you know he kept the ball. Uh, this was something that the Eagles saw that they could take advantage of, and that's what they did. And it took them a little while to get to it on a consistent basis, but they did, and that's what helped them win. So your answer to the, – because the, the main question here is what do you do without Dallas Goddard? You know, yeah. the, the screen game runs through Dallas Goddard, if you ask me, in my opinion. He's yep. one of the – he's the best tight end on screens in the NFL. So your screen game, which is a huge vocal part of your offense, is completely destroyed and I could put, if you ask me. I don't think Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown alone are doing these screens perfectly. It just doesn't no. – not, not routinely. Routinely is Dallas Goddard. And I always see Dallas Goddard thriving on those plays. Mm-hmm. So – that takes away a chunk of your offense, and that takes away a chunk of your offense. Yes, that was concerning play calling game from Sane Seichen. But I don't – what's the problem letting them adjust? Dallas Goddard has been a vocal part of your offense for quite some time now. They didn't expect him to get hurt. You know, we're prepared for it. And you're in an offense now where you're depending on four wide receivers. You can't afford to have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard type tight end duo. With how this offense is built now, it's just not possible. They have to have Stoles. They have to have Calcaterras. They have to have Tyree Jackson's projects that they're hoping pans out. They can't have Dallas Goddard's one of the highest paid tight ends in the NFL. And then you bring in Zach Pascal, you trade for AJ Brown, you have Devontae Smith, who was a top 10 pick for you. And you also have Quez Watkins, who is showing nothing but positive signs of his development. There's no room for two tight ends like that because all I keep hearing is they should get Gronk. They should have had. They should have had this a plan already for this. They should sign Jared Cook. Like this, you you can't plan for this, Ed. You can't replace a superstar. It doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and they don't. This team's not constructed to have a backup in place like that. So, your theory is go ahead and just trust Stoll. I don't know if that's going to work. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if he's prepared for that. And if you can put if you could put those amount of targets on him, what he's going to do with those targets? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I did tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing, though. I did see one play this season that stands out to me that I don't know, understand why they turned away from him ever since. Calcaterra had an amazing play across the middle against the Washington Redskins. That went, I mean, excuse me, Washington Commanders. That went for about 41 yards. Yep. And Hertz couldn't help but target him because he was so open. Yeah. And he ran a really good route on that. I know the defense probably didn't take him seriously because it's like, oh, who is this guy? He's on the field for the first time in a passing situation. So, yes. But... That's what you're going to get going forward. And Calcaterra can make plays in open field. I don't understand why you don't get him more involved in the passing game. Stoll yeah. is a very huge contributor to the blocking game. And again, that's a huge thing you're missing from Dallas Goddard, who's the best blocking tight end on the team. Yeah. You're 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 asking your tight end, who's primarily on the field, you have to block. You have to block. You have to block for us because either Hurts is going to take off or we're going to do an RPO with Sanders. So we need your blocking ability. So that's the reason why they're not doing it. But if you're going to get... The pat the tight end involved in the passing game more often. I'm I'm calling for Calcaterra. Yeah, you don't want to become predictable either because Calcaterra can't block. Let's face it. You know he's still trying to figure that part of the game out. He he Some rough blocks on block. him. I mean, so you're not going to put him out there in a 12 personnel package and run the ball that much. So defenses are going to say, "Oh, Calcaterra's in the game. We're going to have to guard him, or we're going to have to watch for the pass because." We know he can't block. So that, you know, that's a pretty limiting thing for Calcaterra. Uh, Stoll, I think, can handle. Uh, I'm not sure how, if he's that effective getting open, but I think he's improved his route running. I think he's a good pass catcher. 
you know, I, I think you could target him three, four times a game. I mean, I think you need to show that, yeah, he, he can be a threat over the middle. I mean, the Colts took away the middle of the field more or less from Jalen Hurts. And if you're going to just play defense on the outside, you're going to have a hard time moving the ball. So what do you do? Maybe, you, like I said, maybe you swing some passes out to the backs, out of the backfield. You know, I know the three running backs I mentioned, they don't have over 100 yards combined receiving this year. So the Eagles don't do that a lot. But they need to do something different or they're just going to become predictable with Brown and 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 Stoll or uh, Brown and uh, uh, Smith and, you know, Quez Watkins. I mean, that, that alone is not going to get it done. You have to have a little more diversity in your offense. You have to have more targets uh, for different players. And, you know, I think Stoll can be that guy. I really do. I think he's gotten better. Uh, and you know, I think him and Hertz are working on gaining some trust, but yeah, Calcaterra can, can catch, he can probably get open, but he can't block. And that, that's a problem because you don't want to use him in running downs to kind of throw a defense off, ba- off balance because, uh, it, it's just not going to end well for a running back with Calcaterra trying to block. I mean, I've seen him try to block, can't do it. Not yet. You know, you hope he can develop it. Um, and you hope Goddard can come back after three games, but they have to get through the Packers, Titans and Giants without him. And, uh, you know, they got to figure it out. And whatever they do, I mean, if they show more looks and targets for the tight ends, then maybe have to play the, t- the offense or the defense a little bit more honestly um, with just total disregard for their tight ends because they know they're not going to get the ball in, in the pass game. Now, the Eagles played a lot of 11 personnel in the second half against the Colts. You know, mm-hmm. the one tight end just stole and then the, the three wide receivers. So, uh, you know, that could be an option. But again, um you just have to, you know, knuckle down on those receivers and not really worry about the middle of the field because they don't have anybody that can exploit it. Uh, you have to try to get the ball over the middle of the field to somebody. And and who's going to step up in that regard? You know, my my money would be on Stoll at this point. That's not it's not a bad pick. I don't, I don't think Stoll is a bad player at all. My thing is, I know you're down on him for year two, and I just don't think he's getting the opportunities to get any type of rhythm. So I I don't know how who to blame, to be honest with you, but. Why not split Kenny Gainwell out wide to the slot and do the screens with him? Because if the screens are going to be such an integral part of your offense, you can't wait yep. for Dallas Goddard to come back to to start running those again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. why not screens to Kenny Gainwell? Well, not I mean, I've, if I'm if I'm the Eagles, look, here's the problem the Eagles are having. And it's a great problem to have, and it's a problem they haven't had in years. So people aren't used to it. They had too many mouths to feed. They really yep. do. That's that's the problem at the end of the day. They have way too many mouths to feed. They have Miles Sanders on on a contract year that they're trying to milk like crazy, and I I I completely understand why. Well, when I say milk like crazy, I think they can actually do a much a little bit better job by getting him more involved. But he's their main vocal point at running back because Kenny Gainwell is averaging three carries per game. That's nothing. Boston no. Scott for some reason is spelling at random points of the game with no rhythm type. Ed, what I, one thing I've noticed from the running back position from watching it in Pop Warner all the way from being an NFL fan all my life is running backs need rhythm if they're going to be productive. And you can't ask a guy in his second year to do three carries per game and provide you any type of rhythm, even though he does. In my, he's averaging four yards per carry. He falls forward each every single time. As for as much as slack as he gets from the fan base, I think he's – every carry looks positive to me, majority. He falls forward. He gets the positive yards. Um Nothing exciting so far, but there's nothing, there's no opportunity to make anything exciting. So if I'm the Eagles and I'm trying to figure out what I can do with these opportunities that Dallas Goddard has given up with not being on the field, I'm spreading it out with Kenny Gainwell and Jack Stoll. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, though. I am down on Gainwell. I mean, he had another drop against the Colts. 
Um, I think he's been targeted 14 times this year. He's only got nine he has catches. No problem in the receiving it. He has um, no. Yeah, he's he's kind of regressed, and I, I'm not sure you can really trust him. I mean, they tried to get him the ball over the middle against the Colts, and he dropped it. I mean, you know, you're, are you going to go back to that? Uh, probably not. You know, you get your one opportunity, and for the first time this year, Boston Scott had more snaps than Kenny Gainwell. Um, and you know, to me, I mean, I, I don't know. Scott to me doesn't look as explosive as he has in the past. I'm not sure he's the answer now. The Giants are coming up, right? He's the giant killer. So, you know, we'll see how involved but, they get. Well, him. I'm talking about rhythm. I'm talking about Boston Scott running out of bounds yeah. ten the uh, at the end of the game. Like that's he didn't he had no feel for the game. I know. Like, I know. But listen, you got to be ready when your number's called, whether you have a feel. Dude, or it's I, a, I don't want to make an excuse for him. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just I, I'm kind of down on both those guys. And I've said, you know, weeks ago that I think they should have Trey Sermon out there and just see what he can do. I mean, I don't know if he can catch the ball, but, you know, I would have him out there and see what he can do. And to me, it all comes down to Miles Sanders. I mean, you got to throw him the football. He's got 12 catches this year. He had 50 as a rookie and then something really went wrong years two and three. Um, where he didn't have any catches, he dropped the ball. But you know, maybe you, you, you give him a shot to catch the ball. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of what they have to do here. Go, go with Sanders and try to throw him the ball. Uh, try to get him on some wheel routes, maybe some swing passes out in the flat. Uh, you know, maybe work him on a slant into the middle, like they tried with Gainwell, who dropped it. But um, to me, Gainwell has been, you know, it's been a struggle from, you know, the first day of training camp and until now we're still seeing it. So, uh, I don't know what it is, but it's a concern and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what they decide to do with this, but they can't go into the same into this game week two now without Goddard with the same game plan they had last week. It just didn't work. And, uh, you know, the Packers are going to try to take away the middle of the field and they're going to do what the Colts did. And they're going to see what the Eagles can do to adjust. And you hope the Eagles did make the adjustment. We're going to find out. Packers have a much better linebacking corpse in the middle than the Colts did too. So this it's going to be an interesting test yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, Man, there's one play that I think a lot of people are missing that really, this is finally the play where I'm like, Joe Hurts has arrived as a quarterback. And exactly. it's such an odd play that people are, going to, people are going to think I'm overhyping it or that I'm incorrect about it, but I'm really not. I, I, I know I'm not. So, there's a high IQ quarterback play that he made that Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning would make routinely to bail their offenses out when they were in dire situations. And Jalen Hurts did it this play. And when I saw it happen, man, a tear came in my eye. I was like, I can't believe it. <laughs> Carson Wentz has never made this play. And I I've been waiting for to see an Eagles quarterback do this to when you're when you're down in the fourth quarter and you're trying to make something happen and the guys that you're passing it to can't make it happen. It's always falls on those guys' laps at the end of the day. You always blame the receivers. That's what we were so used to as Eagles fans when something didn't happen for once. Uh, well, it was the receivers' fault. Yeah. Jalen Hurts did this when everybody was completely covered. He heaved up a P.I. ball to Miles Sanders that he knew Zero Franklin was going to bite on because he's a linebacker in coverage and he shouldn't be in coverage on a running back. And he knew it. He knew he had no way of completing this pass because Miles Sanders was barely looking for it. And he looked like he slowed his route for some reason, too. So he looked like he wasn't expecting the ball at all. And Joan Hurts heaves it to him and creates P.I. with Zierra Franklin because Zierra Franklin was caught off guard and runs into Miles Sanders for that. And that right there, Ed, was a high IQ quarterback play because nobody was open. He had to make something happen. The game was on the line. And that P.I. got them down the field. Aaron Rodgers does it routinely. I've seen Aaron Rodgers do it routinely. He loves doing it. 
Tom Brady does it. Peyton Manning used to do it. That right there is a high IQ quarterback play. And that right there told me that the Eagles have their guy and that he fully developed. He has that. You don't see that happen from court, especially being that young to be that smart to think, man, nothing's happening downfield. I usually make stuff happen with my legs. I can't right now. I'm heaving this ball up because I'm pretty sure that linebacker is going to create PI. And guess what happened? He did. So all yeah. questions aside, I'm I'm there on the quarterback. I'm all, I'm fully in on Jalen Hurts. That that one play stood out to me because if you can be that smart to make something like that happen, you're going to continue doing that game in and game out. And that's going to make you last in this league because I know I've, we all fell for the Foles magic. I don't want to say we fell for once because I really think Andrews just completely derailed his career. He was a franchise quarterback for this team. But Vic Foles as a, as a starting quarterback is not doing that play, Ed. I'm sorry. like He's done magical things, but there's a reason why he's not a starting quarterback for longevity in this league. And it, it's because... That acumen, the IQ, that Joan Hurts has himself aside from that. I think he has the highest IQ of a quarterback the Eagles have, have had since McNabb, maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. even higher than McNabb. I mean, that was such a heads-up play. And so and I watched it on the All-22 just to reassure myself that I'm not, I'm not crazy. And Joan Hurts had his eyes on, on Franklin more than he had it on Sanders. He was baiting Franklin into that play. So I'm just like thinking to myself, wow, like... For all the questions I had about this guy throwing the ball, for all the questions I had about what he was going to become as a development as a quarterback, he's blowing my expectations out of the water even more than I even expected. He's done more than I even asked. Um, Howie Roseman was right. He was right to make that pick. He he, he la- He's laughing at us for questioning why he made that pick in the first place now at this point. Yeah, I, you know, that was a big play. That, to me, was the biggest play in the game, third and two. It was that the biggest was play of the two. game. It was the biggest and... play of the game. You know, he threw it out there. And, you know, I know Sirianni gave Miles Sanders a lot of credit, too, because, you know, and and Miles was psyched because of what he did. You saw him turn to the sideline and he was saying, I'm on the teach tape now. I'm on the teach tape now. Right. Because that's how you teach it. When a ball is underthrown like that, you're taught to plant your foot in the ground and try to work your way back. And, you know, you're going to collide with the guy that's coming towards you. And then they're going to call that. Defensive pass interference every single time. I'm glad time. that play stood out to you too because nobody's talking about it. I, I, yeah, that I, was a huge play. It was the biggest play. I mean, that really got them started on that game winning drive, a 39 yard pass interference penalty on third and two. Where if you don't complete that or convert that, no matter how you do it, you're going nobody, for fourth and two. And he wasn't going to be able to add the, yeah. the, the um, 58, the query linebackers bearing down on Hurts about to sack him. Yeah. Nobody was open at all. Yeah, he threw it out there, and Sanders made a great play to stick his foot in the ground and try to work his way back or just to stop right there and let the defender run into him. And to me, that shows, too, that yeah, why don't you try to use Miles Sanders on some wheel routes here? Let, let's see his hands. You know, Let's try to get him a little bit more involved in the passing game. You could run a wheel route and have him matched up on a linebacker, uh, and he could probably beat a lot of linebackers in this league. And that's what Dallas Goddard, he, he talks about salivating. When he has to go against a linebacker over the middle of the field, Goddard's like, that's advantage me all day long. No linebacker can cover me. And that's how he feels about it. So, you know, you're going to have to try to take those linebackers away from the middle of the field. Even if you show that wheel route to Sanders and don't throw it to him, maybe you run, you know, stole on an underneath pattern or Quez Watkins on an underneath pattern, and you have a little more space in the middle of the field because the linebacker is now out of the picture. So, uh, you know, that that to me shows a couple things. Great play by Hurts, no doubt. Sanders, great play by him, sticking his foot in the ground and letting the defender run into him. And then why not try a wheel route, whether it's as a decoy 
or whether you throw it to him. That shows me Sanders can beat linebackers. That was a good reminder that, yeah, Sanders can beat linebackers. Let's get him a little more involved here. I mean, I agree with you completely because they got they have to make a defense finally take their running backs into accountability in the passing game because they don't. Yeah. So right. I agree with you because the Eagles don't go to him. And when they do go to him, it's Kenny Gainwell, and the situation this year has been poor. You're correct about that. Yeah. I, I know the Eagles like to – they think Hurts can get them more yards, you know, running the ball or getting out on the edge and making a play rather than they can get it swinging a, a quick pass into the, you know, into the flat there for a running I back. I agree with you with these wheel routes, though. I think Sanders yeah. would be – I think he'd catch – I think he breaks some ankles on some wheel routes. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I just think you're going to have to figure out a way to get these backs involved. And to me, the back has to be Miles Sanders. He showed he can catch 50 passes in a season. Yeah, he struggled the last couple of years. But, you know, I can't remember any drops this season. Maybe he's had one. He's got 12 catches. Uh, but I can certainly remember a few Kenny Gainwell drops. And I still remember Nick Sirianni chewing him out in Cleveland for screwing up a play from running a wrong pattern. So, uh, I'm not sure I'm trusting Kenny Gainwell in this situation. He still has to, you know, figure out, you know, year two for him. I thought it would be a great year. I thought Kenny Gainwell was primed for a breakout season. I, as well. I ranked him as my top player to have a breakout season. I was wrong. He had a horrible camp, and it's carried over into the regular season. So let's go back to Miles Sanders. Let's get him the football. Maybe you work Boston Scott in a little bit. Um, but to me, it's got to be Miles Sanders has to get some an increase in targets here as well. And look, just to end that part, recency bias is a hell of a drug, and I'm a victim of it, just as everybody else is. But I'm telling you right now, Carson Wentz was a smart quarterback. He was, no doubt in my mind. But, man, the IQ of Jalen Hurts from a quarterback IQ standpoint, I really don't think it, – it's it's just like Andy Reid whispered in that guy's ear, that final drive. I, I, don't, I, I just can't explain it. I, I, that's how impressed I am. I'm speechless about it. So – Wake up, guys, because that was one hell of a play, and we needed more attention on that because that was a real quarterback play. That was a franchise quarterback play right there, and mm-hmm. it won the Eagles game because that that call doesn't happen, Ed. They don't win. Yeah, you wonder. You definitely. First, if that call doesn't happen, it's fourth and two. So, yeah, that, that could have ended right there. But and I'm not confident they were converting on fourth down. I'm not confident in that at all. The Colts defense rose to the occasion, if you ask my opinion. Yeah, yeah. they made that fourth and two. Hertz made a great play on that fourth and two. Shane Steichen talked about it today at the, you know, on Tuesday, coordinators day about how, you know, they really had that play bottled up. It was supposed to go up the middle, Hurts ran up the middle, mm-hmm. he, he stuffed mm-hmm. and he bounced it outside and was able to get three yards on fourth and two. So you're right. I can never doubt the quarterback because the quarterback always does yeah. something positive or does something remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have it. It's crazy. What a great feeling. What a great thing to say. No yeah. more questions, no more watching draft prospects of quarterbacks. It's, it's hard yeah. to get better than what you're getting from Jalen Hurts. You know what's cool too is, and uh, the uh, Zaire Franklin mentioned this in the post game. The the Colts linebacker who got you know was called for a pass interference. He played a good, pretty game. good game. Twelve Very tackles, game. punched that ball out of AJ Brown. But you know he 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 was asked about that final play, that seven yard touchdown run, and he said what the Eagles did. You know they're always looking for the empty back or the empty set with no backs in the backfield. That's when that's kind of an alert to them to okay, this could be a quarterback draw. But Shane Steichen motioned Boston Scott into the backfield and stood him right next to Hurts. So right away, everybody, the, the Colts defense is thinking, okay, uh, it's going to be a pass because, you know, they've never shown a quarterback draw with a running back in the backfield. That's what that's what helped open that field wide open. And you know what else did? And Franklin mentioned this. 
is they saw Jalen Hurts throw that jump pass against Houston. So he's like, I'm on guard for the jump pass. So like he didn't come rushing over to try to close that lane because he's worried about Hurts pulling up and throwing a jump pass over his head to whichever receiver he leaves. So, you know, that play happened because of the the, the brilliance of them the putting a threat. different look. Scott in the backfield and that jump pass that they showed – you know, uh, what, two weeks earlier or, yeah, two weeks earlier. So it all builds. And now getting back to that Sanders on a wheel route, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a wheel route here because that builds. They say, hey, he got by him. If Hertz has more time, that's a touchdown if Sanders can catch the ball. Um, but it was a little bit underthrown because he didn't have a lot of time. But now maybe you block it up with the expectation you're going to hit him for a 40, 50-yard gain, um, hit the big home run with Miles Sanders. So, you know, all this stuff that the Eagles show always builds into something more as the season goes on. And we're seeing it with Hurts from that jump pass and then the empty set. They don't run the empty set. They put Scott in there and the QB draw at middle opened like the Red Sea for the game-winning touchdown. I'm going to tell you right now, Patrick Mahomes is my MVP. Sorry to say. Everybody out there is going to hate on me for it, but it's just my pick right now for the MVP. But Jalen Hurts is definitely my second runner up, though. A dual yeah. threat ability. It's just, it's on. He, there's a reason why he's one of the best red zone quarterbacks in the NFL because you can't guard that guy in the red zone. You don't know. He, he, if you try to defend the pass, he's going to beat you with his legs. If you try to defend his legs, he's going to beat you with the pass now. Mm-hmm. You can't stop him in the red zone. He's money. I mean, that's that's definitely my runner up for MVP. I'm unfortunately I'm giving it to Mahomes right now because I'm trying to, you know, not be biased, but mm-hmm. I'll li- I uh, trust me, I'll make an argument for Jalen Hurts if I have to and I'll listen to any argument for Jalen Hurts 100% because the dual threat ability is just keeping defensive coordinators up at night. Yeah. Mahomes is, you know, probably number 1 now, but we'll see what happens over these next 7 games and you know, Hurts has I think 23 touchdowns that he's accounted for. He had 26 all of last year. He's got 15 passing, eight rushing. He had 16 passing and 10 rushing last year for 26 total. So, you know, if he gets up over 30 by a good amount and, uh, you know, it's it's something to keep an eye on. I mean, he could still throw for over 4,000 yards. I mean, he's still kind of in that territory. Um, But, but we'll see. I mean, he's just so dangerous and so hard to defend and, that will to win. I mean, he really willed that team to win on Sunday and, and, and they needed it. They needed him to do that. So, um, you know, but again, Mahomes probably, probably my vote as well uh, at this point, but there's seven games left to play and, and we'll see how that all shakes out. And you mentioned you gave you, when you mentioned Jalen Hurts, you said you're giving the defense the most credit though. And I agree with you on that. Yeah. And again, another week in a row where everybody just slams Jonathan Gannon. I don't, you know, Jonathan Gannon is the most frustrating defensive coordinator in the NFL. I mean, in Eagles history, other than Sean McDermott, in my opinion. And I think he's actually a very good comp to Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott was young, unheralded, stepping in the shoes of Jimmy Johnson. And, you know, say what you will about Jim Schwartz, but he was the only Super Bowl defensive coordinator in Eagles history. So those were still big shoes to fill for Jonathan Gannon, in my opinion, as well. And the patience... From not only the fan base, but the organization, Sean McDermott worth it, and it didn't work out. And what happened, Ed, is over time, Sean McDermott went through his punches, took his punches, coached in various spots, went into assistant roles, back into defensive coordinator. But he ended up being a good coach, right? He's he's a great coach, Sean McDermott. Jonathan Gann's going to be the same way. I have no doubt in my mind. I really yeah. don't. 
I think he's very frustrated. I think he has struggles to adjust, but I also think he's a very young defensive coordinator that's still trying to find his way into the NFL and the coaching ranks. But yeah. I think he, I think everything's there with him. I think he's a good coach, and I think the Eagles' defense is performing in ways that I haven't been accustomed to in years in terms of stopping uh, scoring. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what more people want out of Jonathan Gannon's you want defense. him to stop every single drive. I, I mean, it's, it's just not, not possible happen. in football. That's not how NFL works. I mean, I, I wrote about this. I had this yesterday in one of my stories in, in, in a Monday story that, you know, there's only three defensive coordinators in Eagles history. And I know, you know, look, you can make numbers look any way you want. There's only three in the Eagles history that have had 30 plus sacks, 20 plus turnovers and holding teams under 18 or under 20 points a game through 10 games. Okay, now that's the caveat through 10 games. We'll see how it plays out at the end. But there's only been three that have done that. 30-plus sacks, 20-plus turnovers, teams under 18. You know who they are? Um, Jim Johnson, I'm assuming. And yep, in Buddy 2001. Ryan. And Buddy Ryan in 1989. Those oh, are the only two. That's and, very and, great company, though. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it hasn't been done since Jim Johnson did it in 2001. It's been 21 years. And, and Buddy Ryan in 1989. I, listen. We talked about Gannon and his flaws last year, and I contended all year long or, you know, the all season that he didn't have the personnel. He has the personnel. And, I, again, I don't know what people want to see from Jonathan Gannon to, to say, okay, yeah, he's a good coordinator. Because, to me, he is a good coordinator. Yeah, you're going to, you know, you're going to have to make some adjustments in game. But look, look at this defense. They gave up a touchdown on the first drive of the game to the Colts. They marched right down there, 10 plays, boom, 7 nothing. They didn't score another touchdown the rest of the game. They held them to three field goals. You know, the Eagles turned the ball over at the 22-yard line, the first play of the third quarter, and the Eagles don't give up a first down. They force a field goal. So, you know, listen, I, I don't know what fans want from Gannon. I don't know what the problem is with fans that want Gannon fired after they lose to Washington. One game, yeah, they gave up a ton of ground ground yards. That had been an issue. Then Howie goes out and brings in the Damakong Sioux and Linval Joseph, and man, we haven't even talked about those guys. What that what, was the next part? What solid games those two guys played for just coming in. You know, Nadalakon Sue didn't get into Philly until Thursday night at 11 o'clock at night. And then they have a practice Friday, a walkthrough Saturday, and he's out there playing 17 snaps. Linval Joseph came in Wednesday night, had practice Thursday, had one more practice, three practices, two plus a walkthrough. He played 40% of the snaps, 26 snaps. He's one of the highest graded defensive tackles over the weekend from PFF. I mean, and again, you have to give Gannon credit for knowing where to put the, play those guys, knowing how much to play them. You have to give Tracy Rocker the D-line coach. But, you know, listen, this D-line, I mean, this D-line is, is phenomenal, if you ask me. And Gannon knows it, and he's playing to those strengths. They have 33 sacks. They had 20, 29 all last year. They've got 33 with seven games to go. But I don't know. What what do people want? What, what do people want from Gannon? I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But, you know, to me, it's just, again, it's laughable. They're going to get their wish. He's going to get a head coaching job. So Probably. And I think Steichen could possibly get one, too. I mean, I think they both have a real good chance, better than – probably 80% chance to, to get a head coaching job. And, you know, that's why you got to take advantage of this season now. You know, you got these coaches in place and the, and they're good coaches. They're a smart staff. And, you know, again, people that think Gannon needs to be fired, I, I just don't get it. You know, I really don't get it. And a lot of people are overlooking the Linval Joseph edition and thought, you know, well, he's this age and you're bringing him in this part of the season. Like, this is not going to impact anything. But he was a very key cog to Mike Zimmer's defense in Minnesota for years. 
And guess who came from Mike Zimmer? Jonathan Gannon. Jonathan Gannon, yeah. He knows yeah. the terminology right off the bat when he walks in the door of Philadelphia. He, I'll tell you right now, if you were to watch that game, and you can tell he does, he knew everything he was doing. He knew his assignments and everything. He filled every single gap. Uh, that addition is going to be come um, come February. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's a little too far. Come January, when we're talking about really big plays and really, you know, under radar or under the radar performance uh performances from guys that we really needed this year for the Eagles to be productive or be for be successful. Linval Joseph's name's gonna be mentioned among them those names. I'm telling you right now, Ed, because he 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 fits everything. He fits everything they wait, needed. And wait till Jordan Davis comes back. You know, wait, know. wait till wait till <laughs> Davis comes back, probably on December 4th against the Titans, the way you know it's looking that he could be ready. Now you have Joseph, you have Davis, you have you know, Milton Williams had a sack. You have Fletcher Cox, who I thought played a pretty good game. Uh, you have Nagama Kong Su. Uh, you have Sweat. You have Reddick. You have Graham. I mean, we haven't even talked about Sue yet. Like, yeah, Graham, Graham had a huge sack in that game. He just comes up with these mm-hmm. big plays. I mean, you know, the, the culture, all they need is a field goal. Their kicker already made one from 55. So you're thinking, oh, this game's far from over after Hertz puts them up for the first time in the whole game, 17 16, 80 seconds left to play. An eternity, and and Graham just comes in, man. Fifty five, the closer comes out and closes the tackle, and just sacks uh, uh, Matt Ryan. I mean, that was just a huge play, and you know it was fitting because Graham made that big mistake against Washington, running into uh, you know Taylor Heineke there, got the fifteen yard penalty, essentially ending the game instead of getting the ball back. Uh, so it was nice to see him kind of make amends, and he was asked about it, and he said, "Yeah, it felt good to be able to come back and do that." So. Um, yeah, that defensive line, man. The, the guys I just named, they're, they're, I don't think there's any team in the league. I mean, the 49ers have a good D-line, but I don't think there's anyone better uh, on the defensive line with that depth and with those starters than the Eagles have right now. Well, Dominic Kasu agrees with you because he chose the Eagles over the 49ers and Browns. So yeah. very interesting on also on that front, especially considering the fact that he was going to be more limited with the Eagles than I would argue he would be with those teams. So I, I thought that was interesting that he, he even chose the Eagles after, you know, especially after signing Little Joseph. I thought when I saw the news of the Eagles signing, I'm like, wow, he must, he must really believe in this thing. He must really believe in what they're doing. Well, Sue said he knew that they were signing Joseph. Joseph said they knew he knew that they were signing Sue and they didn't care. They still both came, you know, I mean, the Eagles were up front. They signed, they said to Linval, Hey, we're going to sign Sue too. And then they told Nagama Khan, we're going to sign Linval and they they didn't care. It's okay. Let's bring it on. Let's do it. (laughs) Be a great rotation. I'm telling you, man. And I guess that's what really Fletcher Cox went out and cried about, you know, being on the field too much. And how he was like, you know what? I shouldn't have brought you back. So I'll just go get other guys. That's what it seems like. Cause it's like, you're right. You know, I shouldn't have brought you back. I should, I should just get other guys then. I'll go get other guys. Yeah. Those, those guys are huge, man. Like you see Linval stand next to any of those guys. He's 6'4, 350. He's a big dude, man. He stands next to Milton Williams, Brandon Graham. He makes those guys look. Those small. guys on the interior are going to be so fresh going into the postseason, though. That's yeah. what's going to be the the greatest part of all of that is during the season, the guys that get worn down the most, offensive line, defensive line. You're going to go into the postseason with, I mean, Robert Quinn's probably going to have cobwebs on him at that point, but everybody else is going to be so yeah, fresh. I didn't even mention him in my 
litany of great defensive linemen here they have. I mean, but he's because he's been Golden Tate. It's a shame. It's been a yeah, Golden it is. Tate. I mean, I, I, there's reasons for it. I'm sure there is. It's not just him. It isn't yes. just him, but it also is him. To be honest with you, because I think a lot of, of it's personal too. Like the upheaval, I think probably hit him a little bit harder than he. You know, he talked about his family. He was very open. I wrote about it. You know, the off the field stuff. I think has impacted him. You know, I think it's hit him harder than he probably thought. And couple that with the fact that you know, maybe he's done, you know, maybe he doesn't have that speed that he used to have. I mean, I still think he, you know, he still has a nice bend around the edge. I saw him do it, you know, once or twice against the Colts, but I just don't think he's got that same speed. And his effort has looked a little weird. That's why I'm kind of out on yeah. him right now, to be honest with you, because he looks like he's, he does have the bend, but once that bend happens, nothing else happens afterwards. Right. So exactly. I, I, that's why I'm, yeah, I was all for that move too because the eighteen and a half sacks, and I, yeah. you know, we had a very loyal listener Dakota, and he's gonna be he's gonna be very happy. I'm shouting him out for this, but during that initial presser when the Eagles made the move for him, he texted me. He goes, "Does Ed or you know anything about Robert Quinn not wanting to be here?" And I'm like, "No, I nobody said anything about that." And he goes, "That presser looks like he didn't want to be here." Like he was not happy about this trade. And you really break it down. I'm telling you, people really underestimate because the Eagles always had four main edge rushers. But people really underestimate how tough it is to get a rhythm in football if you're asked to come in in sparing situations. And to be honest with you, like we said, there's multiple factors that go into Robert Quinn not working out. No team is really it's it's majority run on this defense. And you don't want Robert Kidd out there on run defense. He's awful on it. You've you seen it. It's awful. Mm-hmm. So if you're majority running at the Eagles defense, then you're not putting your pass rush specialist out there. And if your pass rush specialist is Robert Quinn and he's not building any rhythm, he's not going to be productive. So it's a little yeah, bit I of think, both. I, and I think chemistry has a, a role in it. You know, things I see in the locker room during the week, he, he sits by himself at his locker with his phone plugged in and he's on his phone and he doesn't really seem to interact. There, there seems to be kind of a sadness to him and maybe it's just missing his family. He's got a three month old daughter. You know, he referred to it as, you know, they took, it was like taking my baby away from me. I mean, you know, listen, oh, if you man, have children out there, you know how, you know how you're missing stuff with each day that goes by when they're at that age. But then the encouraging thing I saw in the locker room in Indianapolis after the game was after the game and, you know, most of the players are gone. He's sitting in the corner of the locker room with a couple of teammates having a cup of coffee and and talking to these guys and and he looked kind of happy like you know he looked he looked like he was enjoying himself you know they were asking him questions they were talking and I was just just watching that and I'm like but you know you don't see that you know in the in the locker room during the week so it was nice to see him he looked relaxed he was smiling talking to his teammates I, I hadn't seen any of that to be honest during practice um, you know when the locker room's open and and it's again it's 45 minutes that you're in there you know three days a week. So, but during that time, I had never seen him really interact with anybody. So that was the first time after the game in Indy that I saw him in the locker room, having a cup of coffee, looked like, you know, just shooting the breeze with teammates. I don't know what they were talking about. I was a little further away than I could hear, but, you know, it was a nice thing to see because he looked happy. And to me, that's kind of been, in my opinion, one of his issues is I'm not sure how happy he is. And I don't think it has anything to do with the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles are a good team. It gives him a chance to win a ring. He's played on one winning team his entire career. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it has to do with his family and uprooting in the middle of the season. And they're still back. I guess they're in Chicago, wherever they live, but, but they're not here all the time. He's not seeing them. 
Um, so that that to me is you, you think of these guys as robots. You know, they're they're human beings and and they have lives just like we all do. And you know, we see them with a number on their back and a helmet on their head, and we think, yeah, okay, these guys are robots. They're superhuman, but but it's not like that. You know, there's the personal side too. And I and I think that's, in my opinion, I think that's one of Robert Quinn's. Uh, issues right now and and maybe another part is is he's 32 years old he's been in the league 13 years and he just doesn't have the same skill set could be but i think he'll give i mean i don't know man it could be a ryan kerrigan thing all over again maybe maybe he'll show up in the playoffs who knows we'll see but it, uh, i didn't get that sense of sadness from kerrigan and kerrigan came in the summer he had all no, kerrigan was just done kerrigan was just done as a yeah, player he was done quinn comes at the middle of the season he you know i know he's been on several teams but never in the middle of the season was he traded he had to uproot everything it's I, hard for me to say that he's done because he's been double teamed so much yeah I, he I, has I, been double teamed with the eagles too like their uh, teams still consider him a threat i just thought the effort i i, I haven't I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I haven't really questioned the skill, and I can get what you're where you're coming from. Maybe there's just not that speed into that burst or that ability after the bend to make anything happen. But I thought it was just an effort thing because it seems like he, once he sees the plays out of his his range, uh, yeah, it seems like three, yeah, maybe because uh, yeah, he's filling in for Derek Barnett, and Derek Barnett's the best hustle, one of the best hustle players on the Eagles. You know, hate him all you want, but he is. Where the ball is, Derek Barnett is. So, essentially, Robert Quinn is filling in for him. That's who your replacement is, and you're not getting that at all. So, I think to to steal a line from Bull Durham when they were out at the pitcher's mound and they were talking about candlesticks for the wedding and all this other stuff, we're dealing with a whole lot of things here. (laughs) We are. are. We're dealing with a whole lot of stuff here. This and is this is a nine and one team we're nitpicking right now. So yeah, I know, but I, I'm just talking about Robert Quinn in general. We're dealing with yeah. a lot of things here, man. I mean, with we Robert, um, it's not just one thing or two things. It's many things. Um, and, and you know, he's he's a really good guy. I've talked to him. You know, just kind of you know, I go up and approach him and talk to him because he sits there and he doesn't look happy. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? And you know, he's a good guy. And it's the kind of guy you root for. It really is. And Kerrigan was the same way. He was a good guy, you know. And again, no, Ed, Robert Quinn will show up for them at some point. Yeah. In a, in a in a vital play that they'll need, and Philadelphia will remember him for that. It won't. His box score with the Eagles will never blow you away when his tenure ends. But he'll come up in one memorable play. I'll I'll give him that. I think he will. I think yeah. he will. But you know who I actually uh, after the game I saw him break off his jersey and there was a Superman cape on him. And I was like, wow, just ask Scott. He's actually Superman. I'm telling you right now, for as much flack that we gave all week, and again, I'm still with it, though. I really want to see more three linebacker stats. It's the time to unleash Nicobe Dean for sure. But Josiah Scott's a player, Ed. He is. I'm going to tell you guys right now, uh, it's not always going to be pretty with him, but he's going to get the job done. And he did against Michael Pittman Jr. in a big way. I... I, I... I hate to say I disagree, but I mean I think a he, gave up a 30, he gave up a thirty-one yard touchdown, not touchdown, but thirty-one yard play on third and three down to the five yard line. Fortunately, the Eagles stiffened from there and allowed the field goal only to kept them in the game. But he gave up a third and six on the first series that went for twenty-five yards on a simple slant play. Um, yeah, he, he could be better. You that. know, he he to me, I can't wait for Avante Maddox to get back. I mean, to me, to me, I don't think Scott played that great and i think he's a liability in the slot michael pittman i thought took pretty good advantage of him 
I don't know who the slot guy is for Green Bay, but to me, you know, Scott has to play better. I, you know, he gave up too many big plays in the game. Now, yeah, I guess he made a couple plays here and there, but um, you know, Maddox is one of the best in the league at slot. And you know, I once he comes Maddox back, back, don't get me wrong. I do yeah, I definitely want Maddox back. back Davis too. gets back, Goddard gets back. You hope they all get back like middle of December, boom. Then you hit your stride, you keep running right into the playoffs and see what you can do. Still a backup player. I mean, I know he is a he's definitely player. not he's definitely not the guy you want to replace, but yeah. I'm thinking to myself, you know, the Eagles need these hybrid guys that to fill in at various times point during yeah. the season. And they got it in him. That's for sure. I think I you're gonna, you know, you're gonna get beat. Michael Pittman Jr. is a good player. And you're gonna yeah. get beat. You're not always gonna stop everything. Just like you know, the same thing we're saying for, for everybody that wants to fire John the Gannon. Like, come on, man, it's NFL. There's gonna be a play that's gonna happen. You're gonna give a play, but you're right. Avante Max doesn't give up that slant. I'll tell you right now, he doesn't. No, and I don't think he gives up that 31-yard completion to, I think it was Alec Pierce at the five-yard line, or maybe it was Pittman. I don't know. But it was somebody, Pierce. It yeah, was Pierce. I, mean, I know just, you're talking. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I mean, he just let him go. Like, I don't know if there was a communication issue or, or what it was, but he's wide open, third and three, down to the five. You think, okay, that's the ball game. They put up a touchdown. It's 20 to 10. But then, you know, they stiffen Hassan Reddick, huge sack, 14 yards, forced the field goal, and they're still in at 16-10. So, um crying about that face mask by the way it was funny it was funny in the indy airport coming back i overheard two guys complaining about the no face mask call on reddick and i'm thinking you know we were just complaining about the no face mask call on goddard for some reason my twitter timeline it it was like an upside down world you know it was uh just bizarre to hear like boy you know we were just talking about this last week in philadelphia and now they're talking about it here in indy i mean that was a face mask i've talked crap on social media about the once trade to Colts fans because they're all high and mighty about it when it first went down and thought the Eagles were losers for making this deal or thinking they'd rob the Eagles. So, you know, I talked high and mighty when it all fell apart for them. And for some reason it it's, you know, giving me a barrage of, you know, Colt fans on my tour timeline <laughs> and crying about that face mask. It was not really a face mask either, to be honest with you. It was barely anything. Anyway, that that did not affect the, the one that the guy one one face back that actually affected the play the guy one that one he had his hand on it he didn't pull him down by it his weight pulled yeah. Matt Ryan down what yeah. pulled Dallas Goddard down was Jasmine Davis pulling the face mask down yeah so cry about it all you want but his hand was on the face mask he didn't pull him by it he got him no. down by putting his fear force of his. 235 yeah. pounds on him. Like, come on, guys. Like, it, so it was really an was. inadvertent face mask. Really. It was. It was an inadvertent. And if, if Dallas Goddard's was, I wouldn't have been crying about that one either. I'll that tell you right vicious. now. He got fined for that. He got fined $11,000, Chapman Davis did for that. Oh, Dallas Goddard's really, IR because of it. So it, it was John Ridgway, I think, that came over and landed on him when he was down. And that's what I heard, think hurt his shoulder. It wasn't, you know, the face mask. That was probably part of it. But I think the real injury happened is when that defensive tackle, I think it was Ridgway, came over and just Put all three. Ridgeway's a dirty player. He suplexed. Um, I saw that. I saw a clip of that. Suplexed Derrick Henry. Like what the hell, man? Or no, Damian Pierce. He suplexed Damian Pierce. I'm like, uh, you're right. right? Yeah, Damian Pierce. Yeah, right. I know. You're wow. right. Like what the heck? This is not the WWE. Yeah. Um, what about? What question? What do you think about Slay? Oh, struggling. Yeah, about Slay. Kind of uncharacteristic yeah. moments yeah, from two him. weeks in a row. Um. Yeah, he's got to play better. Um, you know, you hope this is just a little low. I mean, listen, it's a long season, man. That's what I was going to chalk it up to. Long season, a lot of snaps. Yeah, long season, a lot of mental reps. You know, it, it's it's tough. Give to credit to the down. opponent because Michael Pittman Jr. is not a slouch. 
Yeah, it's tough to just be locked in for 17 straight weeks every single game. I mean, that's that's what I chalk it up to. I'm not really worried about Slay. I think, you know, he'll make his share of plays still. He's having a great year. He's had a couple hiccups these last couple weeks. But, you know, I think he's fine. I don't have any issue. Special teams is still not it, as we already know. Nope. Uh, we can cry about that all we want, but it's going to be the same. But other than that, that's pretty much how I feel about this team going forward. I mean, Green Bay is going to be a tough I – mean, Aaron Jones is going to be very, very tough for them. I know we're already looking forward to that, and I'm sure we're going to actually recap that this week, by the way. Friday, we will figure out a time on Friday because I'm off on Friday. We'll make it happen. So we will recap that pod this week. I'm sorry for last week and not being able to get it done. Time issue. Especially when always these – every time you have these away games, you got to leave early and head up to where you're going for these away games. It's tough to get something scheduled. So we'll have yeah. it this week, though. Um yeah. So yeah. I don't want to get too much into that game, but no significant injuries from the Colts game. Also mistaken. No, no, nope, no, no injuries. Namikasu, Linval Joseph made a huge impact. Linval Joseph will continue to do so because he already knows the system, in my opinion. I, I wish we could have talked about it during the week because that's what I was going to say is, you know, don't sleep on this, this addition of Linval Joseph. He already knows the terminology of the system. He already knows how to perform in this certain type of system. He did so in Minnesota fairly well, went to a Pro Bowl on it. So, yes, he is at the end of the hill of his career, but he's been fresh legs from being out for so long, and he already knows the system. It's going to be nothing but positivity, and boom, look what happens. It's, he was their best player on their defensive line uh, this past Sunday, and he was only yep. here for a couple of days. Yep, so, yep, yep. that's Wait, a good against the ground, man. It wasn't it cool to see those guys share a sack. Joseph yeah. and Sue. Sure. I mean, Sue's going to – I can't wait to see Sue and – you know, as well, I was going to say Sue and Cox, but really Sue and Hargrave. I can't wait to see those two get together once yeah, uh, Sue Davis, gets his I can't wait till Jordan Davis gets back to see him, to see the impact. I mean, Joseph says, I'm here to help the games, and I'm here to help the young guys. He's here to help Jordan Davis, man. Picking Linval Joseph's I, brain, that's going to help Jordan Davis immensely. That's all I'm saying. Jordan Davis's rookie year is soaking up from Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Linval Joseph's, and Dominic and Sue. Like, wow. Yeah. What, what, what a way to start your career. And you're already, a, I mean, honestly, you're already an unorthodox player as is. Mm-hmm. You, you should have got drafted higher than you were from the talent that you are. And then you get to learn from these guys of how to, to you know, ma- um, make that talent work as a yep. player. Like, it's exciting. It's very exciting. For, I, I feel exciting better about stopping Aaron Jones with Sue and Joseph on this team than I did without them on the team. 100%. 100%. Yep. All right, guys, it's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back on Friday, like I said, to recap, you know, excuse me, to preview the Green Bay game, upcoming game. I'm not taking Aaron Rodgers lately. I wonder if Ed is. We'll find out when we talk about it on Friday. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy it with your family. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.